You can turn in your Bible to the book of Ecclesiastes, in Afrikaans Predaker. Ecclesiastes, that is before the book of Isaiah and Song of Solomon and after Psalms and Proverbs. So between Psalms, Proverbs, on the one hand, and on the other hand, Song of Solomon and Isaiah, you'll find Ecclesiastes. And please open to chapter 12. And tonight I'm finishing the series on personal problems and I'm going to preach on aging and death. Aging and death. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 to 8. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we know that this is a way that all people have to go. Some, some won't even age. Some won't grow old, they will die young. But for all of us we will die Unless you come first, unless you return. But I do pray, Lord, that you would prepare us for the day of death also, and that we will understand the teaching of Scripture on this matter. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Some people are afraid of growing old. They're afraid of reaching a point in their life where they won't be able to drive their car anymore, where they'll become dependent on others, where their children start making decisions um, for them, where they have to leave their house behind, where they lived for many years and they have to move into an old age home and they've largely forgotten, <clears throat> or where they lose all dignity, all sense of uh, being dignified. Someone else has to bath you and someone else has to dress you. You can't, dress your, can't get dressed yourself anymore and someone has to feed you and maybe even change your, your nappy. Um, some people are really afraid that they, they'll get to a point where their brain is still sharp but they don't have the energy and the strength to do things anymore. Their body is caved in, or, or the other way around, where their body is still strong, but their mind doesn't work anymore, they've got Alzheimer's or dementia. And so what people try to do is they push aging aside, it's like they're pushing it away, trying to get rid of it, removing it from their mind, doing anything not to become old, so lots of exercise and uh, a good diet and multivitamins and anti-aging cream and coloring your hair and so on. And I don't say these things are wrong, but I am saying you, can, you cannot put off aging. You cannot put off becoming old. You're going to get old, or maybe you'll, you won't. Maybe you'll just die, but most of us will, will become old, or many of us will become old. We'll age. And so we need to accept the day will come where you will breathe your last and you will no longer be here. And most people are afraid of this. And that's why they say things like, I just wish I, I really wish my wish is that I would die in my sleep. Why do they say such things? Because they're afraid of dying. They're afraid of death. And death is something they do not understand. So that they even become angry at God, blaming him for taking, a, taking the life of a loved one. Why did God take my husband? Why did God take my wife? But, but they would have died someday, not true. Of course they would have died sometime or another, and then you might respond and say, yes, but it's easier when you're old. It's easier when you're old for your spouse to die, not when you're young. Well, 
not according to D.A. Carlson. D.A. Carlson tells the story of someone who came up to him and said, yes, it's easier to lose your spouse at 80 than at 30. It's just not fair to lose your spouse at 30. And Carlson responded, if you believe that, ask someone who has just lost his spouse at 80 and see if he shares your perspective. Death is always too soon. It always hurts. You see, that's very hard. Uh, death is hard. Why is it hard? Because it's unnatural. Uh, contra evolution. Evolution and natural selection and survival of the fittest. Atheists think that death is just normal. It's natural. It's not. It's not. And we know it's not, and that's why people weep so much at funerals. That's why people are so sad if a loved one dies. It's not natural. Death is God's punishment. Death is God's curse. It's God's punishment because of man's sin. The day you eat of that tree, Adam, you die. Dust you are, to dust you will return. Through one man, sin came into the world, and through sin, death, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 5.12 So how, how do we know that the biblical teaching about death is true? Because there's so many other ideas about what happens after death. How do we know the Bible's true? The reason we know it's true is because we know the one who was, died, who was dead and who lives again. We know Jesus who died, was buried and rose from the dead. And there is ample proof for the resurrection of Christ. Many witnesses and many other proofs. And so Jesus understands. So we get to, to Ecclesiastes 12 now. And this is going to help us understand something about aging and death. Verse 1, remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near, which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, the desire and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the street before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So number one, we're going to look at aging, and then secondly at death. So aging, that's in verse 1 to 5. I've heard a number of people say this, and you've heard this too. Aging, or growing old, is not for sissies. And that's not just a cliche. That's true. I remember an old man in our church before he died, actually some years before he died, I would hear him say this quite often, especially in his final years when he really was suffering and had a lot of pain, he said, it's not, it's not fun to grow old. And then sometimes he would uh, be lighthearted and joke a bit and say, yeah, my dad warned me, don't get old, but I wouldn't listen. 
And Solomon basically says the same in verse 2 to 5. And so that's why we start off in actually the previous chapter, 11 verse 8 to 10, where he says, enjoy life while you're young. Verse 8, if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. 11 verse 8 now. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you all the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So enjoy life, but not to such an extent that you start sinning when you're young. Rather, don't waste your life, 12 verse 1, but remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. So remember God when you are young. Remember that this is the God who created you. Serve Him in the morning of your life. Seek Him before you grow old and you become hardened and maybe you cannot even remember anymore. Seek Him in the days of your youth. It says in verse 1, before the evil days come, before those years of old age, and you'll say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, maybe you don't get Alzheimer's, and you do remember when you're old. And maybe you do. Maybe you will be converted when you're old. But do you really want to waste all the good years, all the useful years of your life, because you only get saved when you're an old man or old woman? John Piper tells of a a man who was converted under his father's preaching. And the man sat there weeping like a baby. He was hardened. He was a very hard sinner. And he would not repent. And the, the believers kept on praying for him. And eventually he came to this meeting. He just showed up one night. And very first meeting he came to, he was saved. But even when he was saved and Piper's dad prayed with this man, he cried and cried and cried saying, I've wasted it, I've wasted it. All these years, all these years of his life that he had wasted because he only got saved when he was an old man. So why not rather use the days of your youth when you're a young man, a young woman, a child, a teenager, why not rather use that time to prepare for the day when you are old? So, so hide the Bible, store up the Bible in the barn of your heart. And cherish a relationship with the Lord. And so then you'll have something to hold on to when you reach that stage in life when you will say, end of verse 1, I have no pleasure in them in these years when things are difficult, when you're sick, when you've got pain, when you're on your deathbed. And then you'll feel, then you'll feel the Lord near to you when the sun and moon and stars of your life withdraw and it becomes dark, verse 2. And you've got all these pains, the pains of old age. Uh, just like the storms in Israel, verse 2, where it says the clouds return after a rain. So it's the winter storms in Israel, one storm upon the other. And that's what your life will be like, he says. And so in that time, you can no longer trust and rely on your, your health because you don't have health anymore. Verse 3 says that the keepers of the house tremble. The keepers of the house is, is the, your arms and your hands that used to protect you, uh, your body used to protect you throughout life, but now they, they, they're trembling, they're shaking like with Parkinson's disease. And the strong men are bent, verse 3, the strong men are the legs on, on which you walk, and they bent, and so now you need a walking stick. And you don't, you don't have false teeth in those days, no false teeth, so it says the grinders are few in verse 3. 
The grinders cease because they are few, so you can't eat properly anymore. You need soft food because you don't have many teeth. It's like a, a tramp, a tramp, a, a beggar who came to my gate and he asked for food and I brought him an apple. And he smiled and he said, I don't have teeth. Can you bring me something else? Or like a, a lady from the Namaqualand in the Northern Cape who was on an aeroplane for the first time in her life and, and they gave everyone an apple with their meal and she just took this apple and didn't know what to do and someone thought, shame, you know, there's something I can do to help. And he said, what's wrong, lady? And then she smiled and she didn't have teeth. She said, please, will you just start it for me? <laughs> yeah, no teeth. And then eventually your, your eyes, the windows become dimmed. It says in verse 3, so your eyes, no more light, and you've got cataracts, and you don't have laser operations in those days, and you don't have contact lenses and glasses, spectacles, so you become blind, can't see. Verse 4 says the doors on the street are shut. In other words, your mouth is shut. Psalm 141 verse 3 also speaks of the mouth. David prays that the Lord would put a watch before the door of his lips. So the door, the mouth, when you become very old, you no longer talk much. Like my grandmother in her final months. Didn't talk. Verse 4 says the, the, the sound of the grinding is low. So the grinders, remember, in verse 3, the teeth. Now the sound of the grinding is low because you don't have, you don't have many teeth left and so you need to eat soft food and you don't eat beacon bites. You don't eat fritos or willods or simba chips. <laughs> so you don't hear the crunch when people uh, eat. Sound is low. In verse 4 also says, One rises at the sound of a bird. So you don't sleep that well. When the birds are up in the morning, they wake you like an, an older man. At that stage, he was only like going to his mid-60s. But even at that time, he said, you know, Ivor, when you become older, you don't sleep well. And then verse 4, eventually become deaf because verse 4 says, all the daughters of song are brought low. So that might just mean you don't even hear music anymore. Chapter 2, verse 8 Solomon said he didn't listen to the, the singing of women. But now the singers, you don't hear them anymore. Uh, daughters of song are brought low. You become deaf. Uh, in Second Samuel 19, verse 35, we read of a man called Barzillai, an old man. And it says, then all the people went over to the Jordan. Okay, then we read of Barzillai. Um, in verse 35, it says, Barzillai says to the king, I am this day 80 years old. Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats and what he drinks? Can he still listen to the voice of singing men and singing women? I don't hear anymore, he says. And then you're even afraid of heights when you become old, verse 5. So you don't want to fall. Old people know if they fall, they'll break something. Their bones become brittle and then it doesn't heal easily. And it's dangerous even just to go for a walk, verse 5. Terrors are in the way. You don't want to go for a walk. You're afraid you fall. And your hair becomes white. The almond tree blossoms, verse 5. Almond blossoms are white. And then you drag yourself like the grasshopper. So like an old grasshopper or maybe a grasshopper with no more uh, back hind legs. You drag yourself along. It's difficult. It takes effort to do things. 
And then it says, desire fails. In verse 5, desire fails. And that speaks, I think, of sexual desire. Really, the Hebrew word there speaks of a certain kind of, of, of uh, seed, certain kind of, kind of plant with these, um, almost like a, a little olive, it looks. I've forgotten the English term now. Um, the Afrikaans is kaperki, but not kaperki, the orange and yellow flowers, kaperkrait. Um, so in, anyway, it speaks of desire failing, like Sarah when she was old. She says, have I got pleasure anymore? How does God say I'm going to have a child? I don't have desire anymore. And I don't have seed anymore. So I, the way of women has ceased. I'm, and my husband doesn't have seed. How are we going to have kids? So sexual desire fails. And you know, you, you don't have much time left in this world. You're on your way to your eternal home. Verse 5. End of the verse, man is going to his eternal home. And from the New Testament, we know the eternal home is heaven or hell. And the fact that he calls this an eternal home shows you will not come back as something else. You will not come back into a next life in this world like Hindus and Buddhists believe in reincarnation. Reincarnation is nonsense. There's no such thing. Hebrews 9 verse 27, the Lord tells us that man, it's appointed for man to die once. And the next great event is the judgment. And then there's also no such thing as purgatory. Like the Catholics believe that you go to this place called purgatory and you burn and you are punished for your sins for maybe a thousand years or 500, depends on how badly you've sinned. And then you're purified by that fire and then later on you come out and you go to heaven. That is not true. Verse uh, 5 tells, speaks of the eternal home. Your eternal home. So where you go when you... Where you where you go when you die, that is where you stay. Luke 16 verse 26 says, No one can pass from heaven to hell or from hell to heaven. And you know, it's really a sad business, this. And that is why in the end of verse 5, you read of the mourners go about, going about the street. So these mourners, they actually hired people to come and cry at your funeral or cry outside the door where the dead person was lying in, in the house still or coming to the streets when the funeral procession was moving along where they weep, where they cry. And we read this in, he, uh, in Jeremiah 9, verse 17, even in Mark 5, verse 38. And yet, yet Christians, as Christians, we do not only look on the dark side of things. We do not only look on the dark side of aging, of growing old. Rather, we thank the Lord that God has blessed you with a long life. It is God's blessing to you if you become old. It is God's blessing. And so you thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that you've grown old now and God has given you the chance to fix things with Him, to make things right with Him if they are not right, to repent of your sin if you haven't repented, and to sort out relationship problems with others if you have not done so. And then the Lord is also, you thank Him for this if you are old, the Lord has borne you, the Lord has carried you to the very end of your life. Through all these years, God has been with you. As Jacob said on his deathbed, God has been my shepherd and he's delivered me from all evil. He's been my shepherd all my life. Well, Isaiah 46 and verse 4, where Isaiah says, The Lord is the one who has borne you. He has carried you to old age. He's the one who will carry you to gray hair. He's the one that bears you right to the end. As a lady in our church told me, 
in the very last meeting I had with her before she died, she said, you know, this past week I read Psalm 23 for the very first time in my life I read it in the past tense. The Lord was my shepherd. I did not want. He made me lie down in green pastures. He led me to quiet waters. And so on. Number two, death. So number one was aging and number two is death. That's in verse six to eight. Now death, as you know, has brought a lot of suffering, a lot of sadness and a lot of pain in this world. It's caused a lot of that. Both for the person who dies and for those who remain behind. And that is exactly the reason for Jesus' tears in, in John 11 when Lazarus dies. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So why does Jesus cry? Why does the shortest verse in the, verse in the English Bible say Jesus wept? He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. And the reason he weeps is, it tells us actually in 11 verse 33 and 38, that Jesus was all tense inside. Jesus was moved inside. And really the Greek word that is used in verse 33 there of John 11 one of those Greek words means that he was stirred. His anger was stirred up within him. Jesus is angry. That is why he's crying. Jesus is angry at this thing called death. Jesus is angry at the devastation and the sadness and the pain that death has caused in this world. And it's as if the silver cord of a man's life and a woman's life breaks and the golden bowl is shattered. Verse 6. The silver cord is snapped. Now the golden bowl... It may be an illustration of, of your life that is like the golden lamp on the, on the, on the lampstand in the tabernacle. Zechariah 3 verse 2. And now the oil, there's no more oil in the lamp, and so the flame is quenched. Your life is quenched. Verse 6. The pitcher is shattered at the fountain, the wheel broken at the cistern. The wheel that scoops water is broken. It falls into the cistern broken and so it can no longer scoop the life-giving water you need to keep on and you die and the dust from which the lord made you returns to the earth verse 7 and that we find in genesis also dust you are and to dust you will return and psalm 90 and psalm 103 also and then god it says the spirit returns to god who gave it verse 7 uh, that word, the Hebrew word ruach, can also mean the breath. So your breath. But this is more than just oxygen. Because God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living being. God created his body from the dust, but then also breathed into his nostrils. Adam was created in the image of God. So I don't think this merely refers to oxygen in your lungs or your Breath, this refers to the spirit. Job 34 verse 14 and, 14 and 15 distinguishes between spirit and breath. So in the New Testament, we know that the spirit refers to the non-material part of the, a human being. Without the spirit, the body dies. James 2.26 God will keep us blameless in body, soul, and spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. So your spirit, that's the part that goes to heaven or to hell when you die. Your body remains behind, and your soul or your spirit goes to heaven or to hell. Now let me give you many verses from the Bible that prove this. 
Matthew 22, verse 32, Jesus says, uh, quoting from Exodus, where God speaks and says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus says, not I was the God, but I am the God, meaning Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, although they die, they still live. They live with God. Luke 16, verse 22 and 24, you see the rich man dies, he's buried, so his body is in the ground, but then he wakes up in the fires of hell. So his spirit goes to hell, where Lazarus dies, and he goes to heaven. Now some people say, yes, but that's just a parable. Well, even though it is a parable, Jesus never told lies, not even in parables. He wouldn't purposefully deceive us and give us another view of what happens after death and say, but it's not real, don't believe me. Why would, he, why would he say that, give you a false view of what happens after death and say nothing about it? Luke 9, verse 30 and 31. We see Moses and Elijah appearing to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it says they appeared in glory, meaning they came from heavenly glory. Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Now, some people think that Jesus means, actually it should read, they say, and Jesus said, Truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So in other words, according to these people, Jesus didn't say when the man would be in paradise, he just said that the man would be in paradise. But that's a wrong interpretation because never ever did Jesus say when he spoke, today I say to you. And besides, it's not as if this man would think, oh, today I say to you. Oh, what does Jesus mean? Does Jesus maybe want to say, I don't mean yesterday I say to you or tomorrow I say to you. Of course Jesus said it today. When else did he say it? He didn't say it tomorrow, and he didn't say it yesterday. So, the very plain and simple interpretation of the verse is, that very day, the man would be with Jesus in paradise. And then four verses later, Jesus himself says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus went to heaven then, and we know that the man went with him. John 11, another example, verse 25 and 26. Jesus says that those who believe in him will continue to live even though they have died. So not even death can separate us from Christ. Romans 8, 38. Acts 1, verse 25 tells us then that when Judas died, he went to hell. He went to his own place. Acts 7, verse 59 when Stephen died, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Moments before that, he saw heaven open and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So Stephen knew when he died he was going to heaven. Well, Paul, according to the Apostle Paul, there are only two options. Either you are in your body on earth or you are outside of your body with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.8 and Philippians 1 verse 23. And then Hebrews 12, 23 teaches us that when believers die, we, it speaks of heaven and it says, in heaven there is the spirits of righteous men made perfect. 2 Peter 2, verse 9 and Jude, verse 7. The moment an unbeliever dies, God punishes them in hell. So the unbeliever then is like a criminal 
He's been arrested, he's now in jail, and he's waiting in jail until his court, came, uh, his court case comes up. And so when judgment then comes, for the unbeliever, he's waiting in hell, he's being punished already, and when judgment day comes, Jesus will give him a resurrection body that is ugly, Daniel 12, 2, Isaiah 66, verse 24, and then God will send the unbeliever back to hell, to an eternal hell, Revelation 14, 11, Matthew 25, verse 41 and 46. And then obviously there's a judgment because although all unbelievers will have an eternal punishment, some, some unbelievers' punishment will be worse than others. Matthew 10, 15, 11, 22, and 24. And I've got a number of other verses here. Uh, maybe a good one for you is Luke 12, 47 and 48. That the slave who knew his master's will and dis disobeyed will receive a stricter punishment than the slave who didn't know the master's will and was disobedient. So, so if you are one with Christ then, here's a final verse, Revelation 14, 13. If you're one with Christ when you die, you die in the Lord, then you will enjoy the rest of heaven. You will rest in heaven. Now, many people, they hear all those verses and they disagree with me. They think when you die, your soul will sleep in the grave until Jesus comes. And there were some of the early church fathers that believed that, but many of the other church fathers did not believe so. They believed the view I just gave. Now, those who, those who believe in soul sleep, they have their favorite Bible verses, like Ezekiel 18 verse 4, the soul who sins shall die. And they say, there it says, that your soul doesn't go to heaven, the soul that sins dies. But it's not speaking of physical death. It's speaking of unbelievers, number one, so believers aren't included, the soul who sins will die. And secondly, it refers to what the New Testament calls the second death, which is hell. You continue in sin, you will go to hell. You will experience the second death, where you always die and you are never dead. And the same goes for a verse like Matthew 10, 28. God can destroy soul and body in hell. And, and these people will say, see, he will destroy the soul in hell uh, and body. You don't, you don't go to heaven or hell. Well, it's an eternal destruction in hell. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. And then these people who believe in soul sleep, they also quote Psalm 6, verse uh, 6, I believe. I'm not sure of Afrikaans and English... Um, verse divisions or divisions. So Psalm 6, let me just get there. Psalm 6, verse 6, they'll quote this. Um, no, it's not verse 6, it's verse 5 in the English. For in death there is no remembrance of you in Sheol who will give you praise. They also quote, quote Psalm 115, verse 17. It says the same kind of thing. Uh, Isaiah chapter 37, is it? Verse 17 and 18. Let me just double check. Perhaps it's 38. It's like I can almost hear my own voice saying, you're wrong. Let me check. Isaiah, that's where Hezekiah is on his sickbed and he's going to die. And then in the end we know the Lord heals him. He doesn't die. But it says in Isaiah uh, 37 verse 17. No, it's the wrong one. It's 30, 38 verse 17. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you've delivered my life from the pit of destruction. You've cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. 
Now, some people quote these verses and say, look at that. It clearly tells us dead people do not think of the Lord. They do not think about him and they do not praise him, which means you do not go to heaven or hell where you die. When you die, you sleep in the grave. But you just read the context of those verses I just quoted and referred to, and you'll see in one case it's about unbelievers, Psalm 115, and in another case it's about believers that say to God, please do not punish me in your anger, and please do not forget to forgive my sins, because if you don't forgive me and you do punish me in your anger, I will go to a place where no one praises you, and that place is hell. That's what Hezekiah says in this chapter. He says, cast my sins behind your back. In other words, Lord, if you don't cast my sins behind your back, I will go to a place where you are not praised, and that is hell. But the Lord does save us. And because he does save us, Psalm 115 verse 18, we will praise him forever. Verse 17, the dead do not praise you, meaning the spiritual dead, as he said earlier in the psalm. But we will praise him forever. Question, what about Ecclesiastes chapter 9? Because that chapter says, the dead know nothing and the dead do nothing. Well again, read the context. And if you read the context, you'll see he's speaking of dead people who don't have any part and who do not know what happens under the sun. In other words, they don't look down from heaven seeing what's happening on the earth. Job 14 verse 21 is a very good example. The whole of Job Job 14, (coughs) excuse me, the whole of Job 14 is a chapter on death. And verse 21 says, of the dead person, his sons come to honor and he does not know it. They are brought low and he perceives it not, meaning the dead person is not interested or he does not look back on the earth seeing what happens on the earth. So if if we will not look back on this earth, why live for this world? Why not live for the eternal world? Why not live for Jesus? Why not look to Christ and live for eternal things? Why will you live for this world if, if death is going to put you in checkmate and it's going to strip you? Verse 8. Ecclesiastes 12, vanity of vanities, as the preacher, all is vanity. If you want to pass through the river of death safely, if you want to live forever, you need to trust in Jesus Christ, who conquered death. Jesus, who freed us from the slavery of death, Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Jesus, who holds the keys of death in Hades, Revelation 1, 18. And just like Jesus brought, he has brought other people safely through this valley of death, he can carry you safely through. He will take you through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will fear no evil, for his rod and staff comforts you. No temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. He's taken other believers through. He began the good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will keep you from stumbling. When you die, it'll feel, it'll feel like falling asleep. It's as harmless as falling asleep for a believer. And you'll wake up with Jesus. That's why the Bible speaks of death as, and he fell asleep. Acts 7 verse 16. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so you don't need to fear growing old. You don't need to fear aging and death. 
Because the Lord will always be with you. Psalm 71 verse 9. That's why the psalmist prays in 71 verse 9. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. The Lord will carry you to the very end. He will take you through the rivers. He will take you through the fire. The fire will not scorch you. The river will not overwhelm you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So lose, use your final years, the final years of your life, to serve the Lord. Use the final years, as verse 18 says of Psalm 71. Even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Influence the next generation for Christ. Bear fruit in old age. In Psalm 92 verse 14, they still bear fruit in old age. They are over full of sap and green. Do what Paul did and long for heaven. Focus on heaven. Though the outer nature is wasting away, the inner man is being renewed. It's strengthened day by day. Finish the race. Keep the faith. Go to the end. Let the older woman teach the younger woman, the older men, the younger men. But don't see death as the end. Don't even see heaven as the end. Because we're looking forward to a day. When it's not only your soul that will go to heaven and your body in the grave, we're looking forward to a day when your soul will return with Christ and He will raise your body from the dead and He will glorify your body and He will unite body and soul forever. And then we'll have a funeral for death, for death itself. Death will pass away and no one will ever again grow old or die. And if you remember these truths, and you live according to these truths, then you'll be like Martin Holt, who died in victory. He died victorious. On his deathbed, as he was lying there, the lady who works in his house, the domestic worker, came to greet him. And he threw his arms up into the air, apparently, and he said, Maria, I'm going to heaven. And you can be like that. And then death will be like an old donkey car that comes and it takes you from the ruins and the rubble of this life to the beautiful palace of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we do not know which of us will be the next to die. But I do pray that you would prepare us all as we prayed at the, at the start that you would prepare us all for death. Prepare us to meet our Lord. Prepare us to pass through the river, that you would take us across safely. In Jesus' name, Amen.